0: This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. He's going for the corner! He's got it! Your home for fantasy college football. Online at inthisleague.com. Find the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Get in this podcast now with your hosts, Bogman and CFF expert, Blaze.
2: We are back with off-season coverage of conferences today. We are going to be talking about the Big Ten on episode number twenty-nine of the In This League College Fantasy Football Podcast. How are we doing, boys? Back again for more off-season coverage.
0: Oh, man, this is going to be a tough one, guys. Big Ten is <laughs> abysmal, to say the least.
3: I kind of like the way it looks, right? It's it's uh, it's an ugly conference from fantasy perspective, so hopefully I don't have to invest too much in it from a fantasy perspective since I invest so much in a real-life perspective in rooting for Penn State, which which seems a little dire right now. That's my credo,
0: no regrets. The over/under for players I'm drafting is like five.
2: Five <laughs> total.
0: Yeah, five total, all positions. Man, that's brutal.
2: Yeah. That is brutal. maybe I don't know. Running back
0: looks pretty good, but I mean it's a defensive conference, so that diminishes it a lot.
3: Well, yeah, it's going to be slim pickings
0: here.
2: Yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of when your number one wide receiver on this list is Jordan Wester Camp, you know, a Nebraska wide receiver. Oof! It's not really uh it's it doesn't bode well for the conference but there are players in here there are players that are going to pop up and be valuable there are going to be way more than five used for sure for out of the big 10 overall so let's get right into it boys and let's talk about the coaching changes Illinois goes from Bill Cubit, who was the interim fired uh, for Tim Beckham, to Lovey Smith, a big, big change. You bring in an NFL uh, style to your team. Uh, Maryland goes from Randy Edsall to DJ Durkin. Minnesota goes from Jerry Kill to Tracy Clay's, and Rutgers goes from Kyle Flood and his library antics that was to Chris Cash. So. <laughs> Two
0: of those coaches got fired for doing really bad things with that program So that tells you just why these coaching changes happened. It wasn't really because the teams were struggling although Illinois just sucks anyways.
2: It's so. because they're trying to get uh, you know they're trying to get more than five of their players drafted in CFF they got to get the good players away from the <laughs> SEC the Big 12 pac 12 and apparently the ACC this year for God's sake. So, well, what are the big changes uh, for these teams?
0: Well, I mean, no, oh, they also yeah, <laughs> wise, nothing. Like, I mean, Lovey Smith is a great hire, but fantasy purposes, that it means it's nothing. It's not there, man. Yeah,
3: yeah. it's got to take a year or two at least for a guy to get in and get some recruits. To exactly. let his like, star he really
0: power. needs a That's the important thing is he can recruit. And he, he has Chicago, and that's pretty big. For him but that's it well, that's it's all easy to true. walk
3: into a place and be like look i was an nfl coach i might not have been the most successful nfl coach but it kind of it kind of proves my credentials in that I, I i had a job for in the nfl for so long he argue argue will you will uh how effective he was in the nfl
2: right well, took the bears to the super bowl
0: exactly That's
2: enough to get recruits right there. Yeah, it uh, it should be enough. I just remember every time I think of Illinois, I I think of of two things. I think number one of Mike Dudek. (laughs) And and Geronimo uh, Allison replacing him and being really, really good last season. And (laughs) I remember Juice Williams and his – Juice, the juice. His his gigantic head. They had to specially make a – Uh, a helmet for him because he has like a size eight head and nobody else you know has a size eight it's him and andre the giant so (laughs) uh and richard mendenhall and fumbling in the super bowl and then i just get angry so when i think about illinois but yourself uh, back to zero yeah yeah exactly and we reset right back to where i'm used to (laughs) (laughs) so the coaching changes there are coaching changes for cff they don't mean much but you know be on the lookout you know sometimes a coaching change improves uh, a squad immediately sometimes you, you know most of the time I would say nothing happens year one you know in fact most of the time after a coaching change a team's gonna struggle because it's not the players that this coach recruited so keep an eye on it but maybe we'll say maybe but schedule notes yeah. we go two fellas Ohio State opens up versus Bowling Green and Tulsa at home before playing Oklahoma on September 17th. Come on, Ohio State. I'm guys fan. <laughs> and then they close this the season at Michigan State uh, and then home versus Michigan. So that's that's rough for Ohio State opening. And uh, or Ohio State good opening, rough closing.
0: Well, I think Tulsa has a chance. Uh, I mean, I, I think Ohio State will eventually
2: game. That's yeah. Crazy. yeah it's not even ballsy that's dumb come on you're smarter than that they don't have uh, have a chance against ohio state tulsa
0: i bet you tulsa puts up 35 on them how much 20 bucks done all right second game of the season let's put it on the board
2: all right board bet 20 by easiest 20 dollars i've ever made in my life i like money Oh, that's going to be fun to watch. I really hope I'm not wrong. Uh, Wisconsin opens up against Utah State, Florida, Atlantic, and BYU. Corey Clement, all over the place, right? Which game does he get? Go- on. Come on, Clement.
0: No, I think he's going to have great games against all three of those teams. I think Clement's
3: back to the guy that we thought he was. I'm not as as stoked on him the season that he's going to have because he doesn't have some of the veteran pieces around him. I know Joe Stavi sucked, but he was at least a steady presence. You don't even know what they're going to get out of the quarterback position this year.
0: You don't like Bark Houston, man? Come on, it's Bark Houston. Bark Houston
3: can't even outright win this job. <laughs> yeah. that, that's very true.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you white devils are going to make me draft Clement again. I know, and I'm going to have him in the Uh, Indiana starts the season at FIU. Then they go home against Ball State, Wake Forest. But they play Michigan State, Ohio State, Nebraska, Northwestern. In that order, all top 25 in rushing defenses. That is going to be tough because Indiana, the last couple years, has uh, provided us some really good running backs in Tevin Coleman and Jordan Howard.
0: Exactly. And it looks like they're going to have another good one in Devin Redding. But we'll get to how good Indiana was with the stats. But I just... It's, they're going to open well, but then they have that slate that's really going to hurt them fantasy-wise.
3: Yeah, Redding, Redding I think, is, is primed to step up the same way he stepped up when Howard went down last year, but I don't think it's as talented of an Indiana team, and they're going to get steamrolled when they hit that in-conference schedule.
2: That's going to be tough. A lot of people are going to be taking Redding because of the success of Coleman and Howard. but You'll get the early season points. Yeah. I mean, that's nice, you know, but I I don't know. I especially just remember Coleman going nuts last uh, two years ago. But uh, he has not looked good in the NFL. Michigan State at Notre Dame September 17th. Pretty big game early in the season.
0: Big game, big game. Low-scoring game. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, you
3: think? You think? I think this will be the game where it's either going to show where Michigan State's offense is at, can they, can they put together anything resembling what they had last year? And I think Notre Dame is going to is gonna have the firepower that they're going to score points, so Michigan State better be able to keep up.
0: Yeah, I agree with that all the way. Notre Dame's going to have a lot of offense this year.
2: And Penn State versus Temple on the same day. What are you going <laughs> to <Uh-oh>. do? Uh-oh.
3: <laughs> I, think, I, think, uh, I think we all know that... Uh, I'll be watching Penn State, and I pray to God that they do not lose the Temple again this year. Because I heard enough from people
2: <laughs>
3: in my travels to Philadelphia
0: about it.
1: Damn, I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole.
2: It's gonna definitely not some, as
0: likely this year, though. I mean, no Temple like way. said they're going to be struggling.
2: Yeah, they're going to be some. Uh, you know demons being exercised in that game exactly
3: yeah they lost so much on defense and i mean they had we knew last year that they were going to have a don- well i don't think we we knew i think i think a lot of people knew i don't think it was a foregone conclusion amongst insiders that temple was going to have a good defense again last year but this year they lost so much it's not it's not a reload type of situation it was just a, a good group of guys that got together and had a good year two years ago another good year last year and now the magic's kind of gone they still have jihad thomas at the tailback position but that's that's kind of it
2: man we're talking about temple that's (laughs) how you know it's the off season
3: i gotta represent right i gotta i gotta get the plugs
2: in (laughs) well all all those guys are gone they actually had a lot of uh a lot of draft picks Temple three three defensive draft picks yeah i mean uh, i think two of them were in the seventh round but you know, uh, they're still being drafted. Good players, yeah. good players for sure. Uh, let's move to the interesting stats for the uninteresting Big Ten. Uh, Indiana <laughs> had.
3: It's second- not that it's uninteresting. It's uninteresting from a college fantasy football perspective.
2: <laughs> and the apologizing is already beginning for the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> Indiana has the second best offense, oh, had the second best offense overall. Behind, of course, Ohio State in 2015 with 2,736 rushing yards, 3,820 passing yards, 6556 total yards, averaged 504 yards per game, and also had 2,000-yard rushers last year. Is there any chance that offense is this good again? I
0: tell you, there is a chance, and it's all going to hinge on Rich Richard Blackow for Indiana. He was a Juco transfer that came in. He had a great spring game for Indiana. Uh, The offense for their spring game looked really well overall. Indiana has good receivers that are returning. If he can do what, uh, if Richard Lagow can do at least two-thirds of what what Sudfield did, Indiana will probably be the best offense in the Big Ten this year. That's not saying much.
2: Well, the best offense, that's not Ohio State, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. We'll see how Ohio State does. They might start out slow.
2: They're still Ohio State. So
0: Yeah. Know. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I they're not mine. gonna allow thirty five points to Tulsa. I can tell you that right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got twenty bucks to riding on it.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the Kyle from South Park in that. I'm gonna like you know, have it all made into ones and then have it all made into pennies and put it into a kitty pool. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be great. Uh um, oh, no team, and this is why CFF wise, we don't like the Big Ten. No team averaged over three hundred pass yards last year.
0: Uh, Indiana was at like two ninety eight, but after that, it's very ugly.
2: Ugly, ugly. It just makes for, it makes for fun games to watch. You know, a lot like oh, you yeah. said. And, and you know, the, the Big Ten is obviously where some of the greatest gifts ever have come from. Like that kid. With his bright yellow Michigan hoodie, um, being shocked when Michigan State beats Michigan is yeah. one of my favorite things ever. With the block punt <laughs> and all that stuff,
3: I, that was that was one of the most amazing finishes ever. Just because of how random it was, I, it that was a foregone conclusion that that, that and, they were
0: going to win that game. And it got Michigan State into the playoffs, and it ultimately took yeah, out. yeah.
2: And Jim Harbaugh exists within this conference. So anytime Jim Harbaugh exists within a conference, it's going to be crazy with his mom khakis and no shirt on. <laughs> sleepovers. His sleepovers and his satellite camps and his tweets and his weird interviews with Colin Cowherd. You know, just all of the weirdness <laughs> that he brings to the table at least makes it interesting. You know, I mean, the guy's an asshat, but he at least makes everything interesting. Fuck uh,
1: Yes,
3: he does.
2: Speaking of other interesting stats between besides uh, Jim Harbaugh making America great again, um, Ezekiel Elliott finished with 11 more touchdowns and the second highest player, Jordan Kanzeri.
0: Boss.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a monster.
2: Uh, I mean, team. I
3: don't think anybody would argue that Michigan State was actually a better team than Ohio State last year. You're crazy if you actually thought that.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, defense. yeah I mean, Michigan State played really, really good defense. Yeah. Uh, did, Ezekiel Elliott. Did you guys see? You guys saw what he was wearing at the draft, right? I forgot. I saw. I saw it,
3: and I think honestly, that was like one of. I remember that from from one of our first shows, Bogman, where where we just talked about because it was I think right after the national championship, where we we talked about the national championship a lot, and it was just like, what was the one image that struck you from the from the championship? And it was like Ezekiel Elliott's abs, like.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I mean, you know, look he is sexy (laughs) sexy abs i mean he's got he's got a 12 pack going on
0: oh that's giving me a clue.
2: yeah i would be if i look like that i would be wearing that same crop top shirt all over the place now what i I do do find interesting is that the cowboys are selling crop top jerseys and that is gonna
3: be tasty
2: how many (laughs) fat white guts are going to be hanging out of those stupid shirts
0: Oh, don't tell me about it. I live in Arkansas. There's already enough cowboy fans here anyways. Now, you're telling me that you were so
1: ingrained with white trash DNA that your facial hair actually grows in on its own, all white trashy like that? Uh, I don't know what you're saying, but that that's what's
3: going
2: on, yeah. There's going to be, they're going to be looking like the blue meanie from <laughs> WWE days. I don't know if you guys remember him, but, uh, People who remember him, I just got a great laugh out of. I can guarantee you that. (laughs) That is going to be very, very interesting and unfortunate all at the same time. But now it is time to get into the ranks. All right, quarterbacks, we're going to start with Blake's list here. Number one, JT Barrett. Number two, Tommy Armstrong. Number three, Richard Lagow. Number four, Tyler O'Connor. Five, Mitch Ledner, CJ Beathard, and then we get into Wilt Spade or John O'Corn, Michigan. Tommy Stevens from Penn State. Got to get him in right place. Uh, Wes Aluna. That was that was Blake, man. I know, I know. I is he not on your list? Uh you have Trace He's McSorley. Not. Yeah. So. All right, so JT Barrett, Tommy Armstrong, Richard Lago. Is that kind of the, the top three pretty easy for you, Blake?
0: Yeah, um, and I think John O'Korn from Michigan, uh, Blaze has it right right there. I think he could be really good. Uh, he was at Houston, and he transferred over to Michigan. He's really talented. He's probably the best quarterback out of that bunch, and there's a lot of talented quarterbacks at Michigan. I think he could he could creep up there, maybe. You know, I mean, it's the Big Ten, so, eh, he's someone to watch out for.
2: And I know C.J. Beathard is is a guy that a lot of NFL scouts have their eyes on.
0: Right, but uh, production-wise, it's not going to look very good.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a NFL prospect, not a CFF prospect, I would say.
0: Exactly, he's like Paxton Lynch. I don't know, Paxton Lynch was actually a pretty good option, but...
2: Yeah, it's just the pro set that they play. You know, uh, yeah. Bethard has all the measurables, plus he has experience in a pro set. It makes him valuable to NFL scouts. So uh, so JT Barrett is number one for both of you. How high is JT Barrett draftable this year? Is he a first rounder again?
0: First round. Yes. I think he's he is a dark horse Heisman candidate because they're going to lean on JT Barrett more than they leaned on Ezekiel Elliott last year. And I just think if if he can put it together, he could have a Heisman season, and I'm buying him. And I mean, if if Deshaun Watson goes and Luke Falk go, JT Barrett's next on my
2: list. All right, so then how big is the drop off? Because you both have Tommy Armstrong at two, but how big is the drop off?
0: Oh, it's huge. Uh-huh. Yeah, it honestly is. I mean, don't know if
3: I'd even touch Tommy Armstrong until, like, the eighth round. Like, he's the second quarterback in the two-quarterback league for me. That's exactly
0: what I was about to say. In two-quarterback leagues, I might draft him. You know, if there's a run on quarterbacks, I might snag him up. But, I mean, Nebraska's offensive system is just – it's
3: other yeah i'm going to other conferences
2: (laughs) right yeah okay yeah that's uh i mean that's really the point but
3: john o'corn is the guy that could be the dark horse because i think i think he could end up being the second best quarterback in this in this league right he had he had the really good freshman year at houston and everybody thought they were actually going to have a good team his second year in 2014 and they were bad they were terrible Right, so it's, this is redemption. They have a lot of weapons. They have the two wide receivers coming back. You know, they have Jake Rudock. Yeah, yeah. This it, it, he, if he is the missing piece here, because Rudock had a good year towards this. I mean, down towards the stretch, they ended up as a, a top fifteen team in the country, and you know that Michigan State win could change the the end of their season. They may up. They may end up a top ten team. So I, I think O'Corn could potentially be in the second tier or in the top tier with Barrett where you're still looking at drafting him maybe in like fifth, sixth round. If, if it shapes up as we get closer to the season and, and drafts are actually happening that they come out and they say he's going to play.
2: Okay. So O'Corn plays for the whole season. He's the, the the season starter. He holds a job all the way through. He's easy. You're easy. Number two out of this group. Mm-hmm. Is that so. fair to say? I would say yes. Blake says maybe.
0: I wouldn't say easy, just because I mean, Tommy Armstrong has the potential. He's a dual threat quarterback. He has good receivers. It's just the system. If they change it up a little bit, make it more spread, I'm buying Tommy Armstrong as, as the second option. But we won't even know about that until the season begins. So yeah, I I just I'm not going to say it's it's a strong indication too because of Tommy Armstrong, but easily number three, like without a doubt.
2: Okay, so JT Barrett is a first-rounder. Armstrong, O'Korn, uh, are draftable. Is Lagow draftable? No. Lego Lagow? Well, Pan.
1: No, my name is Pam. Are you saying Pan or Pam? I'm saying Pam.
2: Lagow
3: is I mean, it's, it's not even a guarantee that he's going to be the, the the starter, right? Xander Diamond's played a little bit last year when Sudfeld was hurt. So I, I don't think – I think that's – It's a tough situation to draft either of those guys unless they flat-out name who the starter is because, yes, they have a lot coming back from a wide receiver standpoint and Redding from the tailback standpoint, but if they're not going to name anybody, I'm not going to even come close to drafting anybody from Indiana.
2: Is anybody else in the Big Ten worth drafting? Maybe...
0: Maybe Tyler O'Connor for uh, Michigan State, but well, that's a wait and see waiver wire pickup kind of guy.
3: That's t- because you don't even know what wide receiver who he's throwing to, right? Yeah, exactly. They have some guys coming back, but obviously,
2: yeah, Burbridge um, Aaron
3: Burbridge. Leaving. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's if, and there isn't the-
3: somebody like Tony Lippett leaving two years ago. Burbridge was already there and and he, he was like groomed, so it was he was ready to take over the reins. You know, this year, brand-new quarterback, brand-new wide receivers. R.J. Shelton wasn't really that good last year, so not nearly the level of confidence. I think Beathard would be my next person if I was forced to pick somebody, but I don't think Iowa's going to have the scheme that it's fantasy relevant, especially if you're playing all teams. Maybe if you're playing just power conferences, then you're slipping into the the Beathard, Tyler O'Connor territory and whoever's starting at Indiana, but if not, no chance.
2: Yeah, this, this conference is just rough. So uh, let's move on to the running backs because there's actually some value out of these running backs. So, uh, Blaze, looking at your list, of course you have Saquon Barkley, number yeah. one. And then, uh, Devin Smith, two. Corey Clement, three. Justin Jackson, Blake's love child at four. Devin Redding, LJ Scott, Briante Dunn, Kareem Walker, Terrell Newby, Shannon Brooks. Uh, LaShawn Daniels, Markel Jones. So you have Barkley over Clement. I do. That's probably where I would put him, too, because I've been burned by Clement. Blake, you don't have – I mean, we have kind of the same list. You don't have Devin Smith in your list here, but you have Corey Clement, Devine Redding, uh, or Devin Redding, Justin Jackson, Saquon Barkley – what is it about Barkley that puts him over Clement and Justin Jackson? Uh,
3: I, I think it's – Penn State's going to be reeling a bit after how much they lost on the defensive side in the ball. Um, you know, you're bringing in a new quarterback. Barkley is the unquestioned best player on the team. They're going to give him the ball. It's just that simple.
2: It, so just, it's, it's just a matter of – he's going to get fed and, and you know he's going to get the carries he's by far the best player on the team and uh he's going to have to carry him so he's well, going to be one right is that what you i mean yeah,
0: yeah go ahead Blake. what do you think i was just i was just thinking you know my question is what about booby sanders you, you don't think he's going to get any carries whatsoever
3: no nah, not not really enough to supplant barkley i think barkley proved he's one of the best running backs in the country i think Sanders will get run here and there, maybe more as the season progresses, but there's no reason to rush Sanders.
0: Right. I agree. I just, I guess I'm thinking that he could vulture a lot of the production from Barkley because Penn State is going to run the ball a ton this year. But I still, I see what you're saying because Barkley, yeah, he is the best player on Penn State probably. So, yeah.
3: And he's one of the best running backs in the country from a talent perspective. Absolutely. He's NFL draftable for
0: sure.
2: So, let me ask you this. Corey Clement is healthy and plays the whole year. Clement or Barkley? Clement, all the way. Well, you already have Clement at number one, so. Yeah. For you, that's pretty easy. How how about you, Blaze? I mean, I I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out how much of a homer pick is this.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I think um, from Clement's perspective, they still have Gumballali and – Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be spreading the ball around a bit and, and not really overloading Corey Clement as, as a 30 carry a game type of back. Um, You know, they, they have a relative, they're going to bring in a new quarterback. So they're going to lean on the, on running the ball, but they they know they can't just, just bury Corey Clement, obviously coming back from a year off with the, the hernia. We kind of talked about it earlier, I think before the show started, even, uh, that that a hernia wasn't necessarily something that was going to lag and 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 stick around like it, it's not like he's coming back from a knee or a shoulder injury something that could be reaggravated. um but i, I still think you want to leave him fresh and when you know you have a capable running back too, like a gumbo wale you're going to split carries a little bit more
2: okay i like it uh you know there's there's a little homerism to it, for sure. Of course, you know it's college. There is, night. but Wally
3: Wally's a junior who has proven himself in in Corey Clement's absence last year. Booby right. Sanders is a, is a, yes, he's a highly highly touted freshman, but he's still a freshman and he's still new on campus and he's new to the team, so it's right. a different and, dynamic.
2: And and to finish that off, I was going to say, but there's reason behind it too. Yeah. it's not just I I love Penn State. I it's park. You know, I mean, nobody would expect that anyway. But, um, you know, there's, there's logic behind it. There's sound logic behind it. There's not, uh, you know. Thank you for uh, not calling me a crazy guy.
3: owner or uh, homer.
2: Yeah, well, we're not talking about Temple, so you know, <laughs> we're just talking about Penn State. Uh, but, Deep
3: down, you know, I actually dislike Temple as a school. Just, of course, just being of from a, a rival uh, college.
2: It's just, you, you know, it's one of those things where you call really it.
3: Really represent. Yo, I stick up for my boys, dude. <laughs> Drink some water.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, speaking of hay seeds, um, <laughs> it's a different kind. Oh yeah, well there's hay seeds all over the place, you know. Yeah. I-, I can tell you that I know for a fact that Clay buckholes won the World Series and paired his Dom Perignon with pizza. Thousand percent, I know that for sure. So, you speaking of hay seeds. But uh, I'm really interested in this Devin Smith at number two for you, Blaze. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. A Jim Harbaugh guy, Devin Smith at number two, ahead of Corey Clement and Justin Jackson and Devine Redding.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think Michigan is the number two team in the, in the conference behind Ohio State. And I-, I think they got a lot of production out of him last year. You know, he was averaging just over four yards a carry, um he he didn't start off the season as the as the lead back but he clearly took control of it i think if michigan's good if they if they're rolling um they got a new quarterback to break in yes john o'corn could have a big year and they have good wide receivers but davion smith could be the anchor to that offense and the guy that's reliable week in and week out for points
0: and jim harbaugh is going to run the hell out of the ball too
3: regardless he's going to play a pro style balanced offense right so they're going to get opportunities
0: Exactly. And, uh, I mean, Devin Smith got banked up too. Um, he he hurt his ankle, and that took him out like two games. So I, I, I agree with that on Devin Smith. He could end up being number two.
2: All right, you have Devine Redding, uh, or Devin. Uh, I keep butchering these names.
1: Desquarius the Green Jr., University of Notre Dame. Uh,
2: <laughs> you have, You have Devin Redding at number two. Uh, Blake, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it, Indiana has had good running backs in the past. Um, a lot of that has to be your thought process behind Redding, correct?
0: Absolutely. Uh, the The head coach is still the same. The offensive coordinator is still the same. I mean, the, the entire offensive philosophy around Indiana is the same. I mean, why not I have Devin Redding as the number two guy? Uh I, I just, I'm just i buying into Indiana this year. I don't think that's what it is because I think their offense isn't going to take that big of a dip. Uh, they might throw the ball a little bit more. But, I mean, I had said it in an earlier podcast. I think Devin Rennie can go for 1,400 and 14 touchdowns. Man. I'm sticking with it,
2: That would be huge. You know, a guy who did crack 1,400 yards last year is Justin Jackson. And yes, he, he did. He got a lot of love on this podcast last year, and I'm a little bit surprised. To see him at four and three on this list, I'm I'm a little bit surprised nobody put him at two because 1,400 yards as a sophomore is no small feat. Now I can't imagine that this he has to slip because of uh, touchdown production. Correct.
0: Well, I would say it's not Justin Jackson's fault that he slipped. It's the entire offense around him that, you know, you can't – it just impedes his production because he can't get it anywhere else. So they're going to load the box and stop Justin Jackson, and that's it for Northwestern. They're not going to win that game. That's why.
2: Yeah, second in yards, 25th in rushing touchdowns too.
0: Right, exactly. That's what it is. They get to the goal line and they load it up because they know he's going to get the ball.
2: Right. That's tough. It's too
3: bad. Yeah, because he, it is. he really is putting up crazy, consistent numbers, and he's getting tons and tons of touches. But, you know, he's he's a touchdown a game away from being like a first, second-round pick. Now he's looking more like, you know, third, fourth-rounder, maybe fifth-rounder.
0: If you put him behind Wisconsin's offensive line in that system, oh. he would be the number one easily. You know, yeah. he might be in the overall.
2: Yeah, this is a guy I think who is not going to get a lot of love in college football because he plays at Northwestern, right? But once exactly. he gets drafted to a good system in the NFL, uh, the vision's there. I mean, you're playing for Northwestern; they're putting eight in the box every play, and you still get ripping off 1,400 yards against you know a Big Ten schedule. That's rough. Um, he was the
0: only he was the only back to have over 300 carries and at the Big Ten, so that that tells you how important he is for Northwestern.
2: Let's uh, let's talk about Briante Dunn. I mean, obviously, replacing Ezekiel Elliott is impossible. 23 touchdowns and 1,821 yards last year. Of course, no one expects that from Briante Dunn. But is there any chance you guys have him a little bit low here? Blaze has him at 7. Blake has him at 9. Is there any way you guys have him a little low? I mean, He's still playing for Ohio State, and he's supposed to be the starting running back.
0: Well, the reason I have him lower is because, obviously, Ohio State, they recruited well, so there's, like, five other running backs that can yeah. go in there, and they could put Seriously. up numbers. And at their spring game, I know you're not supposed to put, you know, all of, your, all of your fruit in the basket into a spring game, but Mike Weber had a great spring game, and he's had a great spring practices. You know, they could split carries between them, and it wouldn't be crazy to think that, so...
3: Yeah, I agree with Blake. There's there's just so much young talent on the way in. They they lost just about everything. So, like Briante Dunn is is just by default the guy who we rank the highest because he's like the only one who's back. So, yeah. it's kind of hard to predict right now. And the reason why we have him a little lower is because we don't know who's actually going to be the running back or or the one who receives the bulk of the carries. And that's, that's a scary thought when you're going into a draft and saying, Oh yeah, I want to draft the Ohio state running back because he's obviously going to provide value, but you have no idea which one to take.
0: Right. And one bad game, one fumble and he's out and you're done. And that's a fifth round pick that you wasted on him. Yeah. I
2: mean, I, I agree with you guys. I just, you know, that's a lot of yards in production to replace. Somebody has to replace at least a portion of them. Of course, I don't think, you know, Ohio State running back, whoever it is, is going to be scoring 23 touchdowns, you know.
0: And then uh, JT Barrett's going to take more rushing than anyone else. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> very He's going to bad. Very true. Very but true. if you
2: were just breaking this down as far as rushing yards within the Big Ten, not players, uh, rushing yards and uh, rushing touchdowns, Ohio State would rank where um, amongst the the, uh, the Big Twelve?
0: I put them the behind 10, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and maybe Penn State too. So maybe fifth, maybe.
2: No. Okay, so as low as fifth is what you said. right? Yeah,
3: what about you blame? You're saying team rushing totals. Team
2: rushing totals.
3: Um. I I would – man, I I would probably still put Ohio State as the the number one rushing total team. Um, See,
2: that's the point I want to make is not – and I don't think you guys are wrong in your ranks at all, of course, because the situation – Oh,
3: somebody – one of those guys, like somebody from Ohio State is going to end up being a top, like, five back in the Big Ten. It's just hard to say which one it's going to be at this point.
2: Right, and always the potential (laughs) to be a top five – in the nation at Ohio, it's State. an undraftable
3: position, which sucks. I mean, it's going to be that—that's going to be the 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 pickup of the year that ends up like making or breaking somebody's season. Yeah.
2: Right. So you yeah. should be taking a flyer on one of these guys late in the draft if you can, right? Like, th- oh yeah, I, that's the yeah. point. I'm don't reach my information, Don't so. reach, but right. No. Don't reach. Hell yeah. But absolutely, snap up one of the guys. Don't be stupid and take JT Barrett in the first, like I did last year. Like I back. would.
3: I would take I, would oh, take yeah. him I mean
2: uh, I, I mean because Cardell Jones got his job. It's the same right. the running back situation in twenty sixteen is oh, the quarterback yeah. situation in twenty fifteen. So you're that's not gonna take Deontay done in the first round, but you should probably take him in the seventh or eighth if you can. If he's still absolutely. Or whatever. Absolutely. Okay. This is just the point I wanted to make. Who else is valuable in the Big Ten as far as running backs goes?
0: Well, I'm buying into L.J. Scott for Michigan State. Uh, He he turned into the lead back for Michigan State. He won them that game against Ohio State with that 22-play drive at the end of the game. It was him that won them the game. And I think it's going to be him that wins the starting job and ends up producing a lot for Michigan State. I mean, last year, you know, there was a lot of questions, who's going to replace Jeremy Langford? And we saw that no one really did it. This year, Scott is going to be the guy.
3: Yeah, I, Scott, I do like, but I'm not, I'm not as sold that he's going to be the primary back. I, I still think, you know, so I I think them still having Gerald Holmes is is something that's that's a concern because Gerald Holmes is still going to pull some carries here and there, and even when L.J. Scott kind of put himself. Uh, as the lead back he wasn't real he didn't really he only eclipsed 20 carries one game last season and in that game against alabama he had six carries for eight yards so lj scott is is the starting running back for michigan state but pretty much in title only so i'm not i'm not as confident that he can get up to that that top tier grouping
2: and it's funny uh because you have him ranked one spot ahead (laughs) <laughs> of where Blake is, you're just, not as con- you're just not as confident in Big 12 backs. I think with the Big 12... Back. No,
3: I think it falls off after 10, that, that top Big five 12. right there, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense. I will say that there's a lot of potential in this group. More potential than most other groups, but nothing is settled, especially this early in the offseason.
3: Yeah, I would I mean, put Daniels, Lashawn Daniels from Iowa, as a chance to break out, and uh, you know maybe Shannon Brooks to a certain extent. He had he had some really good games last year. Uh, he had he had a game where he literally he put up 174 rushing yards on 17 carries. He did that twice last year.
0: I think Marco Jones from Purdue is a guy I could I would buy into because he's he's a talented and Purdue just obviously they need talent, so they're going to give him the ball.
3: I think Purdue's going to be the worst team in the conference this year, which is which is what's scary.
0: (laughs) I got
2: Maryland. Oh no, I got
0: Rutgers. I'm sorry, I got Rutgers as the worst team.
2: Well, I I would say that there's a lot of handcuff slash pickup worthy players. Yes. uh, In the Big Twelve, because like like we said before, you know, LJ Scott doesn't work out, and Gerald Holmes is a big guy. If you know, Barkley gets hurt. They still have. Uh, help me out here, Blaze. Who's the back?
3: Booby Miles. Yeah. Well, they have a couple guys, and I don't even think Miles would necessarily be number two on the depth chart Sanders? going
2: in. Is not Booby Miles? Miles Sanders.
3: I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, Miles okay. Sanders.
2: Miles Sanders. Okay.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's going to be. Yes, he is. He is crazy talented and, and highly touted, but he's not going to walk in from day one and be number two on the depth chart. I think they have a couple guys still that that will be behind Barkley, but I mean a big a big question mark for Davion Smith. I know I have him in, at number two, and I think Michigan's going to have a big year. But if Kareem Walker has a big year, uh, he could get you know inserted into the offense as the season goes along. Being such a high recruit himself, that maybe it takes away from Davion Smith's production later in the season. That's that's definitely a scary thought to think about. And for me, because I have him ranked number two.
2: Right, and then Ogumba oh, Wale. Should uh, Corey Clement get hurt again? There's uh, Demario McCall at Ohio State. There is Ty Isaac at Michigan. There's a lot of potential for production here, but it's like we talked about in the last episode with the depth charts and how you can't really trust anyone at this point as far as depth charts go. You know, some of these guys are going to walk in and and provide you value, even if it's not value every single week on a week-to-week basis you know as a streamer as a spot starter somebody's going to get hurt i mean running back is the most volatile position of any position in all of fantasy sports you know guys get hurt all the time they turn over so there's a lot of potential value here but it's just tough because these teams grind it out in the big 10 they run the ball a lot but this is a which means they use more year. than one running
3: back. Right. And right. I mean, that's that's what really kills it.
2: Well, that that kills it. And uh, there's just so much of muddy water in this situation. Like, I think Clement and Barkley are easily the one to, you know, Justin Jackson is probably the best running back in this conference, but they can't score. Northwestern can't score. Uh, you know, Michigan's still working a bunch of stuff out. Uh, Indiana lost a lot of players, so this is. There's good players in this running back uh, class in this conference, but it's hard to know where to pick out the good ones.
3: I think you hit it though pretty well that those the Barkley, Clement, Jackson are kind of on a tier to themselves.
2: I think so. Yeah, I, I would say that for sure. What are you going to say, Blake? A lot of wait and
0: see, a lot of wait and see, and a lot of waiver wire pickups from the Big 12, and you'll see a lot of guys on the bench from Big 12. Um, at least what I think, I would put some of these guys on my bench and have other conferences for starters and see how it goes.
2: Right, and if you guys thought running back was a mess, just wait till <laughs> we get to wide receivers here.
0: Shoot me now.
3: <laughs> this is this is the depths, man. Like.
0: It's the
2: pitch. It,
3: it is really sure. shocking me how how little players I'm even going to look at from the Big 10.
0: It so, took me like 3 hours to rank 25 players.
2: <laughs> let's let's take a look at your your wide receiver list and we'll just go 10 deep. All right. Please. Yeah, it's a shit, fucking sandwich <laughs> because it's <laughs> because it's really ugly after that. Um we have Jordan Western camp as you guys both have him as the going away number 1. And then just to show you the difference in production here, we have Sim, uh, Simi Cobb Jr. for Blake at number two. Blaze has him at seven. That's yeah. That's the big drop-off from, you know, Jordan Western camp to everybody else. And then you have Amar, uh, Jesus. Amara Darbo <laughs> from Michigan, Chris Godwin go. from Penn State, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, Ricky Jones from Indiana, Desmond Kane from Illinois, RJ Shelton from Michigan State, D'Angelo Yancey from Purdue, and Matt Vandenberg from Iowa, and um, Dudek is not on this list. I don't
0: think he would be num- my number one. Don't <laughs> worry, number
2: one in your heart, of course. But Jordan Western Camp, all right. Great. Jordan Western Camp is the number one wide receiver in the Big Ten. It's agreed on. I see it in front of my face right here. Where does he get drafted? What round? Third,
0: third, fourth round, late third. Middle am not really chasing him.
3: him. I'm yeah, I'm not chasing him either, him though. Like the fifth, sixth round, man. It's not it's desirable for me. These these in, offenses are just not really where I'm going to go look, like, for, for wide receiver production. Right. I mean, if Westercamp, like I said, is sitting there in the fifth, sixth, seventh round at that point, uh, I'm going to start taking a look at him, but... What, is that in a all conferences or just power five? All conference. I'm talking all conference. I mean if you're getting okay. into power conferences, then obviously he jumps up a little bit, but there's there's so many other players in some of the non power conferences to, to snag for wide receiver before I'm gonna go sniffing around Nebraska or, you know, Michigan State or any of these teams that are that we know are gonna run the ball.
2: Just as an example, Jordan Western camp last season as a junior. Uh, 13 games, 65 catches, 918 yards, 7 touchdowns. It's just not bad. But Aaron Burbridge, who played at Michigan State, who, like we said before, is a grinded-out type of uh, team, 85 catches, 1,258 yards, and 7 touchdowns. Um, I I tell you what, Penn State had Chris Godwin, 69 catches for 1,100 yards and 5 scores. Why not uh, Chris Godwin up here at number 2, Blaze?
3: I think the changing quarterback, I don't think. I, I mean, yes, Hackenberg maybe maybe didn't perform up to the level of expectation, but he was still a lot better than, than McSorley and Tommy There's Stevens. Anything
2: over a new guy. Right. Yeah. You want experience. Uh, you have Chesson, Darbaugh, Godwin in their blaze. I mean, who else – Who's a guy that is available at the end of the draft, and you're going to take a flyer on just in case? I guess because this is ugly.
0: Um, this is ugly. I would I would go the Bogman route, and I'd take Desmond Kane from Illinois just as a you know what the hell kind of pick.
2: Right. Somebody's got to catch the ball. They're going to be down exactly. A lot.
0: You know, Westland Vandenberg, man,
3: Vandenberg from from Iowa. Yeah. C. J. Beathard. You know, they had they had a pretty
0: good report built up last year. Sixty five catches. That's that's nothing to joke about. No, it's not. Uh, it's just Iowa, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's tough to buy an Iowa offense. Uh, I mean I'm surprised you got Semi Cobb so low, Blaze, because I mean, like I said, Indiana has has some offensive power power in regards to the Big Ten. And uh, and if they can get the quarterback situ- situation resolved, Cobb's is someone I'm buying.
3: Yeah, I, I don't have as much faith in Indiana this season. I okay. I don't really, I don't really see how they're going to improve on last year's team. I thought they were they were a good team last year, but an, an average team for the Big Ten. And I don't see them making any improvements year over year, especially after losing a guy like Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, that's true.
0: All right. Wait and see. <laughs> I yeah, yeah I
3: It's a good stable of wide receivers. If one of, if Diamond or uh, Lagow can step up and and take the reins and, and really play well, it, you you could. It's it's one way or the other, right? It comes down to quarterback play.
2: Yep, it does. Uh, I just want to point out that there are some awesome names in this group. <laughs> we have uh, DeMornay Pearson L from Nebraska, who is
3: out right now. What did he do he I saw something ridiculous with him I think he got hurt
0: on Halloween or something
2: oh my god
0: he he got he got hurt celebrating in the season I think is that what it was it's, uh, he
2: built like himself and there's yeah. also a guy from Wisconsin named jazz jazz, jazz PV.
0: yes sir Who, don't don't draft him
2: of course <laughs> it is a transformer so um,
0: <laughs> we got yeah. Dan Vital here too yeah. <laughs> from Western
2: and Dick Vitale's uh, nephew yeah there's uh, I'm just making up facts at this point but yeah there's, <laughs> somebody will pan out you know just like we said with the running back someone in this group will pan out um, but there's not a whole lot to take a risk on like we said before maybe Desmond Kane maybe Simi Cobbs Jr. Um, but Curtis it,
0: Samuel from Ohio Curtis, State
2: Curtis Samuel yeah Cheston Darbaugh uh godwin someone's gonna pan out but it's almost not worth
3: there are young guys for ohio state too that, that could end up stepping up right austin yes. mack was a was a high profile recruit
0: paris campbell is a guy that he did really well in the spring game and he's i think he's on the dev chart as a starter so he's someone to watch out for
2: but the the main thing i think with a lot of these guys is they're going to be ads they're going to be pick exactly you don't want to be drafting them because there's other guys who you know are who will at least get the opportunity. It's just more
3: explosive offenses in other yes. conferences, is what it really boils down to. You and want outside the Big of a 12 of pac
2: 12 wide receivers because nobody plays defense. Mm hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. That's what you really These are grinded out teams. Some of them will be reliable, but not most of them. Uh, tight ends here, guys, before we end the Big Ten unmercifully. Uh <laughs> Jake Butt is by far and away the number one tight end out of this group. A little bit overall, surprising he didn't go in the draft, right?
0: Yes. I'm surprised, but I mean I'm happy too, because he's my number one overall tight end. So I'm drafting him.
2: Over OJ Howard.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Over OJ Howard, Jordan Leggett.
3: Jalen Samuels keeps tight end eligibility. Yes. I would wow. still take Jake Butt. Oh, I—I I mean, I, Jalen Samuels is number one. Is is a potential first-round, second-round pick if he's Ooh. tight end eligibility. This I think. may
2: be the year of the second tight end. Round? There may be three draftable what? tight ends this season.
3: Lucky oh Hodges God. is legitimate too. Four. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake Butt going away. Uh, Josiah Price had some decent games last year. Uh, you guys also have in this list Brandon Lindgren, uh, George Kittle, and Kathan Carter. Um, I
0: mean anybody but Jake Butt really draftable. No, I mean not really. no, not really. And Jake Butt wasn't really that reliable. I he I had wasn't.
2: hyped
3: him up a lot during the offseason about how excited I was for him. I drafted him myself, and he had some games here and there, but I mean he really wasn't wasn't anything more than you know an average tight end. I, I, the, the, you get caught up in the talent, right? Because he could be an NFL like. Prospect, but he doesn't really get the volume because he's a tight end. I,
0: I think if he caught more than three touchdowns, we'd have a different opinion on him, or we'd have the same opinion because I, I think he's number one. He only caught three touchdowns last year, but he had 700 yards or he had 650. So yeah. I think if he catches more 51 touchdowns, one
3: receptions is quite a bit for it is
0: tight end. Is. But
3: you're right, you're right. The tight end, the touchdown totals. If he had seven or eight touchdowns last year we we are having a different conversation so that's that's a good call out blake
2: yeah the uh the just just to reiterate what you just said blake 51 catches for jake Butt, the next highest in the big 10 35 by right Krieg, uh krieger cobble who's gone now and then Lingan all the way down here so uh <laughs> it, tight end is rough jake Butt. uh you know, with another year of experience, we'll probably have more than three touchdowns, I'd venture to guess, and hopefully more than 51 catches. But See, that Michigan
3: states, offense is going to be the real question mark.
2: Well,
0: I know Jim Harbaugh uses the hell out of his tight ends, both blocking and receiving, yeah. and Jake Butt does both. So Jim Harbaugh is going to use him a lot. It's just, it's those touchdowns. That's all the that hinges for a tight end is touchdowns.
2: Right. And, you know, not many tight ends are getting touchdowns nowadays. But that is uh, – that's it. That is everything for the Big Ten. Uh, join us next week again for another offseason conference preview. This time it's going to be the Big 12. All right. Finally. Head down uh, south. The, the Big 12 may change teams before we do that episode. I mean, there's a lot of uh, talk about expansion. Obviously, it wouldn't take place this year, but the Big Twelve, a lot of uh, a lot more players involved than the Big Ten. I'll I'll say that for sure. But we will see you guys next week. Make sure to get at us on the Twitter machine at Bogman Sports at Lord underscore Blazer with an S and at Mister CFF. We will see you guys next week. All right, the Big Ten possibly the boring big 10 here but we do have a guest for you his name is travis miller from hammer dot of sb nation you can follow him on the twitter machine at just t mill and if you like podcasts there is a hammer and rails podcast for all of you purdue fans out there travis how are you doing today
1: I'm pretty good, and I would like to issue a public apology on behalf of Purdue for the Big Ten and how we're going to bring everybody's defensive numbers way, way, way up this year. Uh, but we will be providing probably some highlight reel days, most likely against Wisconsin for uh, the opposition. So if you're if you're looking for fantasy sleepers out there, bet against Purdue.
2: Well, hey, you know that is a good good thought. You know, just if you have a streaming defense. Maybe whoever's playing Purdue that week, right?
1: Exactly, yes. Uh, although, um, unfortunately, for in that regard, we did get rid of John Shoup, and our offense is probably going to go from putrid to semi-competent. Uh, that's oh. the best way I can assess it.
2: There's <laughs> just all kinds of great outlooks pretty soon for <laughs> Purdue. Here. So uh, l- let me ask you this. What? So I put you in charge of Purdue, right? Give me, give me the breakdown of what you have to do to Donald Trump this to make Purdue great again.
1: Well, first of all, you have to put an administration in charge that would actually uh, hold uh, some people accountable within the athletic department to make uh, make some sort of investment in athletics. Uh, right now, we're one of the most spin-thrift universities possible when it comes to athletics, and the big thing that they trumpet is that we are self-sustaining. We do not take any money from – the school itself, Out uh, Lakes, is fully funded through donations, through the river of Rotel and Queso money that comes from the Big Ten Network, and uh, it all pays for itself. That is a very good thing to have, and it's a very good goal. However, when your football program is as bad as ours, that can only carry you so far. Um, I read an article this morning from Penn Live that said, uh, Purdue managed to only pull about $1.5 million worth of profit out of its athletic program before you figure in the amount of money that it gets from the Big Ten at large. That is uh, that is not going to get you very far when you have uh, – when $1.5 million is basically Jim Harbaugh's khaki budget at Michigan. <laughs>
2: uh, his khaki budget and his weird interview budget. At least, uh, oh man, yeah. Jim Harbaugh's Twitter feed is probably worth more than 1.5 million, right? Just for all. Of his I I comments. would think
1: so. Yes, yeah. I mean, and th- that's where a lot of Purdue fans are just kind of in dire straits because it is it, it's almost a cultural issue with the entire university at this point, and there's only so much that we as fans can do.
2: Ah, oh, it's bleak. It's bleak. But you know, I mean, at some point they'll get it right everybody gets it right at some point you know it, it seems to come in cycles and purdue will get there eventually you know maybe not in the next four or five years but someone will wise decades, up
1: centuries
2: <laughs> someone will wise up and eventually they will be good but speaking of michigan we'll talk about some cff here if michigan is expected to challenge ohio state to be the best team in the big ten this year who do you think will step up as the primary playmaker this season for Michigan?
1: Well, I think it has to begin at the quarterback position and that's kind of why I'm a little hesitant on thinking Michigan is just going to be end all be all like so many other people do. They really don't have a quarterback yet. They haven't selected one. So it's difficult to go into the season without knowing who's going to be under center, who's going to be throwing the ball, who's going to be making the calls at the line of scrimmage. And, as a result I don't I just don't see where they can be thought of as oh yes this is definitely the year they challenge for Ohio State uh you've got Shane Morris who actually has some experience at the position but he didn't play a whole lot last year and he hasn't shown that he's the answer in the past so uh that leaves John O'Corn and Wilton Spite as your next two choices but How many times do you have a freshman quarterback come into the Big Ten and instantly lead a team to a conference title? Not very often. So uh, that's why I'm a little hesitant. I'd probably give them about another year before I would seriously think they're contenders. But they do have a pretty easy schedule to get there. And if it's a one-game situation against Ohio State at the end of the year, who knows what can happen?
2: Right, and anything can happen at that point. So – so you're saying just based on what's in front of you Michigan is not challenging Ohio State this year even with Ohio State losing some some big parts I guess they didn't lose Barrett and that's the the biggest part but
1: yeah, I tend to default with who's got who's got the most experience coming back at quarterback because quarterback play means so much in college football. So, you know, I'm going to go with Ohio State there. And uh, interesting fact, there are a, a few teams that have more wins over Ohio State than 2000 than Michigan has. <laughs> Wins over Ohio State since 2004, and one of them is Purdue, actually. Purdue has <laughs> beaten them three times since 2004, Michigan has beaten them
2: once. So, See, there's some confidence there at some point. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> all right, well, uh, moving on to th- this guy is polarizing for me because, you know, I had all these expectations last year for Corey Clement. I took him in the first round. I got him at pick number four or five. I was like, everybody else is dumb. They're passing up this guy, Corey Clement. He's going to run for 2,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. You know, In my pea brain, I was thinking that. And then he went and got hurt. But do you think Corey Clement can rush for 2,000 yards this year with a new quarterback and a stable offensive line?
1: Absolutely, just because it's Wisconsin. I mean, there's one thing that Wisconsin does very well, and that's a ground game behind five road graders of offensive linesmen. Uh, I've seen it year after year after year against Purdue. We know what's coming. We know that they're going to be handing it off to a Monty Ball, a Ron Dane, or somebody of that ilk, and we still can't stop it. And we give up a 250, 300-yard day. So, you know, Corey Clement to me is just, oh, it's a different name, same jersey, same running back, same style. So, you know, it's a case of if he does that enough and it looks like Wisconsin's still going to have that great offensive line in front of him. Of course, you know, he can do it. He gets to he gets to play Purdue. He gets to play Illinois. He gets to play Northwestern in Minnesota. And he, I think they've got a game against Akron. So it only takes a couple of big games to get up there in that in that realm of uh, 2000 yard rushers. And he can definitely get there.
2: Yeah, it's just you know, on the back of the jersey, you could put Wisconsin RB and just mm-hmm. you know, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. It's the same thing over and over and over. I I'm with you. I I do think Corey Clement can rush for two thousand yards. I just you know, the the health is a little concerning. Not, I mean, hernias are hard to recover from, and. True you know Daryun Bowale had a lot of experience with Corey Clement going down last year so i think they're going to end with the new quarterback i think they're going to share but i wouldn't be surprised to see you know this backfield run for you know four grand it wouldn't be that surprising you know just turn around hand the ball off turn around hand the ball off turn around hand the ball off and like you said they have so many great matchups this year it's really indicative for them making you know all of these rushing yards so i'm right there with you i just I know he's going to be a first-rounder. I'm going to pass him, and he's going to break the you know all-time college rushing record and score 45 <laughs> touchdowns. It's just – it's what is going to happen. It seems to be my luck in CFF. I've only played for two seasons, but I draft every injured player, and then I skip him the next year, and they have some amazing starts. So maybe I'll just take him just so I can complain about him again this year. Maybe that will be my <laughs> strategy going in for when he gets hurt. I say, see, it happens to me again. But, nice <laughs> uh, uh moving on to nebraska here do you think that tommy armstrong and jordan westerkamp are the best quarterback wide receiver combo in this conference this year and if they are isn't that kind of sad
1: uh, see i really don't think so armstrong throws too many interceptions for me um, i'm gonna go a bit of a dark horse here who i think is the best and uh i'm gonna go Xander Z- Diamond and semi Cobbs at in indiana uh, okay. Cobb's put up some, uh, really, really good numbers for the Hoosiers last year. And he was originally a Purdue recruit. And in our infinite wisdom, we were going to have him play defensive back. And <laughs> now he goes out and has a thousand yard season for Indiana. So, uh, he, obviously Indiana has to shift its, uh, quarterback position around with Sudfield being gone, but Diamond, uh, he's coming in, he's got some experience, he's got some swagger and, Uh, If he does end up winning the quarterback position, I think he could have a big year because of a player like Cobbs.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit of a point uh, of contention earlier in the the show because I believe Blake thinks that uh, Lago, I think that's how you say his name, the uh, transfer, is going to wind up winning the job because of his awesome spring game performance. But Blaze thinks that it's going to be Diamond, so Blaze has Cobb. A little higher in his rankings because he thinks you know those guys already know each other they've already mm-hmm. you know built a little bit of a rapport or as Blake would say a rapport um, <laughs> so uh, but that's interesting I, I really like that take because most people just think you know Armstrong and Camp, that's it I, and I think you know I think the Big Ten will produce a lot of great players this year it's just that there is so much turnover you know there's so much turnover in general but there's so much turnover this season for the bigger players you know i mean obviously a lot of players leaving from ohio state who always have national title contention and uh and things of that nature it makes it harder to just pinpoint some of these players that are going to be really good but i Mm -hmm. like that indiana take because a lot of there's a lot of questions swirling around indiana you know They've lost a lot recently. Are they going to be able to just jump in and replace it? So I like that take. Um, moving on to some running backs. Who has the better season, in your opinion, from a numbers perspective? We have Saquon Barkley from Penn State, Justin Jackson, and Devine Redding. Uh, I,
1: think I think I'm going to go with Redding just because Indiana has had a lot of success from that running back position. and They've relied on it so often within their offense lately. You had – Jordan Howard last year, two years ago, you had Tevin Coleman, and Redding just seems kind of be the next man up there. And you did mention their unsettled quarterback position. They're probably going to want to rely on Redding a little bit more. So, you know, he could definitely have a big year. That's an offense that always puts up really, uh, really fun numbers. As, uh, as some other people I've talked to, they like to call Indiana the chaos team because they're just going <laughs> to kind of keep coming at you keep coming at you they may not be able to get that one defensive stop that they really need to win a game but they've got an offense that is more than good enough to compete
2: yeah i I really like reading for this season and it you know barkley i think is going to be really good all these guys are going to be really good i i want to say justin jackson myself but northwestern's offense just leaves so much to be Desired, And the fact that, you know, he had 1,400 yards and only found the end zone five times, you know, they just they know what's going to happen uh-huh. when they get down in the red zone. So they just stack the box. So it's an unfortunate because I want to say Justin Jackson, but you just can't because of the offense that's behind him. Right. Uh, is there anybody else from some of the weaker schools like Rutgers, like your boys, <laughs> Purdue, um, that you think could jump in and have a bigger year? Is there anyone that you would pinpoint for us kind of you know if, if we're looking in the fantasy realm, kind of a sleeperish nature or maybe you know we would look at them for a pickup later in the season?
1: I would definitely look for Markel Jones from Purdue. Uh, he was a true freshman last year. He managed to set almost every conceivable rushing record within the state of Indiana when he was in high school, but was still pretty lightly recruited. He came to Purdue last year, ended up being our leading rusher. I think he was well over 800 yards and had about 10, 11 touchdowns uh, for a team that went 2-10. and 10. So he was kind of the only guy that was consistent and managed to produce almost every game And his primary guy that he was splitting in the backfield with, DJ Knox, managed to tear his ACL in the spring game. Mm -hmm. So he's going to get some more carries. And honestly, that's probably a good thing for Purdue. He's a guy that can break almost any run. He had at least three or four 40-plus-yard touchdown runs last year and is just an exciting player to watch. And honestly, he's one of the few things that has me somewhat excited about Purdue football is that I get to see this guy uh go and play on Saturdays. I I think a 1000-yard season is not outside the realm of possibility with another 10 or 11 touchdowns. So
2: That's excellent. I I really hope that uh Purdue produces something so you can see all of your hard work pay off with a little bit of celebration you know and
1: and that's the way that's the way he was last year uh very first game of the season I think he busted a 60-yard touchdown run as a true freshman and that was on the road at Marshalls so he you know he's not going to be in the same breath as a Justin Jackson and a Clement uh Divine Redding or anything, but I think he could have a season very similar to a running back we had a few years ago by the name of Corey Sheets, uh, who ended up running for like 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns as a senior. He actually holds the all time Purdue record for touchdowns, uh, broke Mike Allstott's record, shattered it by about 10 or 11 touchdowns in his career. And, you know, it was just a really, really good, solid season. And fortunately, he was behind so many other great backs that year. He didn't get uh, the press that. Uh, most most backs like that would get.
2: Yeah, it's um to to me it's one of those where you know uh, running back the position turns over so much. So if you know you're in a shallower league or maybe if you're in even a deeper league and people are leaving you know per, this Purdue back Jones on the on the wire because he plays for Purdue. Look for matchups. You know you don't have to mm-hmm. start him. When he's going against Ohio State or Michigan or, you know, any of the Michigan State, any of the big schools that are known for their defense. But, you know, if they're, you know, they got a cupcake, they're playing in Akron, they're playing Illinois, they're playing Rutgers, somebody, you know, uh, fire them away. You know, you've got a flex position in most leagues. Um, running backs are hurt all the time. So that's definitely a good one as an option to look for, at least as a streamer, uh, possibly and, even and- more. And
1: that's the thing, is we do not play Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State. So you lose the big three, you don't have a threat of their defense shutting him down. And he played pretty well against Michigan State last year, too, in the, in the one matchup. So, you know, he he's probably going to be our best player offensively, and we have a decent senior receiver by the name of D'Angelo Yancey that's a bit of a deep threat, but uh, you know, if you're looking for a lone bright spot, it's definitely Markel Jones. And if Purdue is going to have any sort of turnaround, or even threaten to go six and six and reach the Detroit Bowl, Jones is going to have a la- very large role in that.
2: This is Travis Miller from HammerandRails.com. You can check him out on SB Nation. He just put out the article. I, I love the one. Uh, what was it? It was know thy opponent. Yes, I guess Cincinnati, that was really good. And what was the one you did today? Was the financials one?
1: Yes, it's, a, it's an in-depth look at the Big Ten, finan, big Ten football financials. It uh, borrows heavily from an article that Penn Live posted and how vast uh, the differences in football profits from the big schools at Michigan and Ohio State to Purdue who barely makes a profit off football, which is just
2: astounding in this day and age uh, when it comes to college football. And that's just interesting stuff, even if you're not a Purdue fan. You know, that's mm-hmm. just uh, that's just good stuff to know. So check him out, hammerandrails.com. Thank you so much for joining us and answer, uh, answering some of our questions that we have for the Big Ten. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not as bad as we made it out to be.
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
2: We will see you guys next week. Hook them.